So we're finishing our uh, series this week on losing your religion. And we've talked about how religion is a heavy burden. And religion is a lot of rules, a lot of regulations that weigh you down. And today we're going we're gonna to finish um, with the words of Jesus and the words of Paul. And here's what Jesus had to say. Uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. Jesus is saying most people have not found the right way. Most people are on the pathway to destruction, to hell. He said the gate is very narrow. There's one way. Jesus said he is it, and very few people have found it. So we're going to look at Jesus versus religion today. Religion, here's the definition, is man's attempt to reach God. Man's attempt to reach God. Almost every world religion, we have said, has some type of rules and regulations, a bunch of oughts and ought nots, and and where they all intersect is what we've been calling the eight commandments. Put those up there real quickly if you would. We said these eight commandments are good. There's nothing wrong with them. You certainly want people to treat you like these eight commandments. And, And these are the things that all world religions have in common. But what we also have in common is no matter what religion, pick a religion, we all fail at doing these things. We're not good at doing them. And so we've, we've said if we behave this way, if we believe this way, if we do these things and not these things, then maybe God will pay attention to us. Maybe God will like us if we are religious. So I pray this way. I kneel in that direction. I go to church on this day. I was b- baptized this way or that way. I don't see certain movies. I do these religious behaviors. Everything is focused on the outside in religion. And, and I, if I behave this way, then God's going to like me. And if Jesus hadn't come to earth, we might never know the difference. But when he showed up, he had a throwdown with the most religious people around at that time. They were called Pharisees. And I want you to see what Jesus had to say to the Pharisees. It's in Matthew 23, starting in verse 25. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. So the teachers of religious laws, they were called the scribes. You may have heard that. And then the Pharisees, these were the ruling party, the ruling religious people. He says, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. How many of you have a Yeti cup? How many of you love your Yeti cup? It's awesome, right? Why? Because it stays cold or it stays hot. Now, what he's saying is you can have a high dollar cup because a Yeti is a high dollar cup, right? 40 bucks for a cup. Now, if you want an Arctic, that's twice, twice the, twice as nice at half the price or something like that. Um, but it, it's basically the same thing. Here's what he's saying. You can have a Yeti cup or you can have an Arctic cup. And have you seen that people are dipping those things now or they're putting stuff on the outside? You've seen all of that and they look really, really good. What if though you bought an Arctic cup and there was vomit on the inside? Yuck. Exactly. Jesus is saying to the religious people, the most religious people around, he said, outside, you look good. You put on the nice clothes, your hair, if you have it, looks nice when you go to church. But inside, you're filled with stuff that stinks. What matters to God is not the outward appearance. What matters to God is the heart, what's on the inside. And so religion, we've said, focuses on the outside. If what's important to God is on the inside, then religion must not be very important to God. Because you can even go to the Old Testament and look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 29, 13. These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. 
Does that sound like God is impressed with religion? He's impressed with man-made rules? I don't think so. See, if we're really honest today, I think we have to agree that a lot of people are in church. Right now, if they're in the central time zone, some of them have already done that in the, in the other time zones in the world. Some of them haven't gotten to church yet. But we have to admit that a lot of people are going to church and they're just going because it's habit. They're just going because they're following traditions. And they're really just going through the motions of worship. And if they were honest, they'd have to say, I don't, I don't really like God. My heart is far from God. I'm only here because I think maybe it'll bring me some good luck. I'm doing this out of duty or I'm hoping that maybe if there is a God, he'll, he'll have favor on me. Have you seen people like this? Not here. Not here. Other churches don't, don't even think about it. Don't even bring that up. Here's the problem with religion. It leads, it only leads to one of two outcomes. All right. Religion either puffs you up. Now, you know what I mean when I say puffed up? The scripture actually uh, says knowledge puffs up. What does that mean? Knowledge makes me proud. And, and there's nothing wrong with knowing the scriptures unless you're saying I'm better than you because I know the scriptures. You know people like that? That was the religious leaders. When I was in, in Israel, the fact that I wasn't dressed a certain way, the fact that I went into certain places, I couldn't do certain things because I was not like them. And, and really most of the time in Israel, I felt uncomfortable in the religious places. I loved it out in the countryside. I loved it at the sea of Galilee because there weren't religious people around telling me how I had to act, what I had to do. And I loved sitting on the, the place where Jesus taught the sermon on the Mount. And we just sat there and I imagined Jesus standing at the bottom of the hill. And I just sat there and worshiped. And we all, we all just kind of spread out, found a rock and just sat there in the cool of the morning thinking what it would be like if Jesus were there. And then the next minute we're in, in some cathedral and we're told you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, can't do this. And oh, by the way, you're not even good enough to be in our religion, but you can come look at our artifacts. Knowledge puffs up, religion puffs up. The other thing it does is it tears down. And, and usually it's the same people, the ones who are puffed up with their religious knowledge or with their religious garb. They tear down the people who aren't. I'm better than you. You're not as good as me. You don't do this, 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 this. So. Better than you. So here's, here's what Jesus has to say about that in Luke 18. This, this is awesome. Jesus also told this parable to people who were sure of their own goodness and despised everybody else. Now, if, if, you know, it's going to be good if Jesus intros it like that. People who were sure they were good and they despised everyone else. Look what he says. Once there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood apart by himself and prayed, I thank you, God, that I am not greedy, dishonest, or an adulterer like everybody else. This is a good guy. You want him teaching your your small group? I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Because if this guy was teaching your small group, he'd be pointing at y'all. I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I'm not. I'm better than you. Look what Jesus says. Uh, he, he says, I thank you that I'm not like the tax collector over there. I fast two days a week. This is stuff that I do for you, God. I give you one-tenth of all my income. That's a tithe. That's what T-I-T-H-E means is a tenth. Now look how Jesus contrasts it, though. He says, the, but the tax collector stood at a distance, would not even raise his face to heaven, but beat on his breast and said, God, have pity on me, a sinner. Now this is the most surprising thing that Jesus said to this group of people that day. I tell you, said Jesus, the tax collector and not the Pharisee was in the right with God when he went home and everybody went, say what? The irreligious person was humble before God 
And Jesus said, he's right with God now. The religious person said, look at me, look at me. And God said, he walked away not righteous. And everyone gasped because if religious people couldn't be right with God, who could? Jesus just told them. Look what he says. For those who make themselves great will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be made great. So we have these two extremes and, and what I hear all the time and, and, you know, I grew up in the Baptist church, fundamental Baptist church and then Southern Baptist church and been a, been in, a, uh, in ministry for 31 years now. And what I hear all the time is there's two extremes. There's these people who, who are the, the, I guess they're the morality police in a church. And, and they try to make sure that everybody follows these rules. And if you don't, they, they'll give you stern looks. And if you keep doing it, they may give you a stern lecturing. And, and they'll make you feel so uncomfortable that you'll leave. They would rather you leave than you stay there and not act like them or look like them. The other side of that, though, is those people tend to make other folks feel like they're not good enough. Man, I, I'm not like those people. They're holier than me. They, I can't even make it to church two times in a row. When I pray, I try to pray and I say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread, we're out of bread. And the car, the oil needs to be changed. And oh my gosh, I'm an ADD prayer. I can't even pray for 30 seconds without my mind wandering. I am not good enough. How many of you have ever felt like you were not good enough? Right. So that comes from religion, not from Jesus. Jesus says, he will take the penalty for our sins. He will make us righteous. I see religion puffs up. It makes you proud or it tears down. And those are the only two possibilities for religion. But God has a better way. He has a different alternative that nobody had ever heard of before. And it had nothing to do with religion. God's approach involved Jesus Christ. And quite honestly, God's approach to righteousness, to religion, disturbed the religious crowds of his day. And if we're real honest, we have to say that it disturbs religious people in our day as well. Look what he said. Look, look what Paul says. We talk about Jesus now. Here's what Paul says. He was a Pharisee and he's about to give you his resume, his, his uh, religious story in Philippians chapter three. If anyone ever had reason to hope that he could save himself, it would be I. If others could be saved by what they are, certainly I could. For I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish home that was a branch of the old, original Benjamin family. That All he's saying is there were 12 tribes that started the, the nation of Israel. Benjamin was one of them. He's saying, man, I can trace my lineage all the way back to ben Benjamin, and I'm, I'm purebred Benjamite. So I was a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to every Jewish law and custom and sincere. Yes, so much so that I greatly persecuted the church and I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. Paul is saying, I went, if you went to ancestry.com, my picture would be there next to Jew, especially next to Benjamin. But you know, I'm one of the best Jews. And, and if you, uh, I was raised by the best. I was educated by the best. And quite honestly, I was the best. So if we translated that into our language today, he would say, man, I was, I was born in Billy Graham's home. Mother Teresa was my nanny. I went to only religious schools and I graduated at the top of my class. I only listened to Christian radio, not that other stuff, certainly not country. I was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and the Pope was even nearby nodding his assent and doing hand signals. He says, I was the most religious person you've ever heard of, and it wasn't enough. Because look what he goes on to say. 
Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. If you have that on your listening guide, did I put that on your listening guide? Underline, I think it's there. Is it highlighted? Circle that word garbage because this is a big deal. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. Now, if you're religious, and, and we don't have a lot of those here, sometimes we do, but if you're religious, what I'm about to say is going to bother you greatly. Um, the Greek word translated as garbage, if you look at all the different translations and the different um, translations of this word, it's garbage, um, it's rubbish, it's, it's all these different things. But the word is skubala. That's a fun word to say. Say skubala. All right, now let me explain what it means. It can be translated as rubbish, garbage, but really it means human or animal waste. So we're going we're gonna to clean it up just a hair and we're going to call it sewage. The King James translates it as dung, but it actually is a worse word than dung. Now, I'm not saying that Paul was cussing, but I'm saying the English equivalent is a cuss word. All right? And and the best way I can say this to a to a, a church audience is to say there could be a bumper sticker that says scubala happens. I don't know what word you're thinking of, but, but I'm not thinking of that word. All this outward religion, he says, I call it poo-poo, I call it scubala, I call it sewage, I call it dung, the worst type. Now, I'm not making this up, and, and I'm not even going to dare you to go look it up, because if you look it up online, you'll see, you'll see the cuss word, and I was like, no, that's going too far. So we're going to call it poo-poo or sewage, all right? I'm not trying to offend anybody with this, but I'm trying to show you that God is offended by religion. You with me? Garbage is a wuss way to translate scubala, but we're going to move on from that. And see what, what a lot of people say is, okay, I have, if, if you have a pie graph of my life, I've got work, I've got family, I've got recreation and this little slice over here. It's, it's the slice of my religion and it's very neat and it's very organized. Paul says, if all you have is neat and organized religion, it's still a pile of scubala. Some of you say, well, I'm more religious than others. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. That just means your pile is bigger than somebody else's. Some of you are really, really proud of your religion, your pile, and you're so proud of it, you put a little flag in it to distinguish it from somebody else's pile. So it might be a little Baptist flag, or it might be a little Church of Christ flag, or maybe a, maybe a Catholic flag. I don't know. It might even be an NLCC flag. It's still a pile with a flag in it. Some of you are more creative than others and you say, well, I like this about Christianity, but I don't like this. So I'm going to make up my own pile. I'm going to take some Buddhism because that's kind of hip and cool nowadays. Or I'm going to take this. I was watching a thing about Scientology. Some people, Scientology. Oh my gosh. If you're going to be a leader in the Scientology, this, Janie and I watched this just the other night. You have to sign a billion year contract. That you will always be faithful for the next lives because they think you're going to come back and have other lives. So a billion year contract, it's a pile. It's a contract. It's a pile of contract. I don't know. You add a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and you got your own religion. It's still a pile is what Paul is saying. Religion does not save you. That's, that's the point he's trying to make. You can put sprinkles on it. You can baptize it. You can bronze it. It's still a pile. Religion is your attempt, man's, human's attempt to reach God. And Paul says, it is a pile of scubala compared to Jesus Christ. 
And it's an understatement to say that the religious people were greatly offended. If I were to go to the Western Wall today and tell some of the, the Hasidic Jews, hey man, all this stuff you're doing, it's pile. It's scubala. I, I don't recommend you do that if you go with us to Israel. Do not go up to somebody and say, hey, scubala. No, those are, those are fighting words. And then Paul goes on to say, you know the purpose of, of the law? You know the purpose of, of all of this stuff in the Old Testament? It's to show you you're not good enough and you never will be. If you're ever bored, now we did this with the eight commandments, but if you're ever bored and, and you want to know if you're good enough for heaven, just pull out the Ten Commandments because we, we study the Bible. Ten Commandments are in, in Exodus chapter 20. Just go and, 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 and look at them and say, well, okay, have I ever put something before God? Anybody ever done that? Yeah? Have you ever um, stolen? Anyone? Have you ever lied about stealing? Or Lied. Have you ever lied? What does that make us? Lying, stealing, idolaters. Right? It means you're not good enough. The purpose of the law is to show you you can't do it. But the good news of the New Testament is there's another righteousness. Your righteousness is a pile. But my, but God's righteousness, he gives to anybody who submits to Jesus Christ, who surrenders to Jesus Christ. I think we gotta be sure that we say that because I don't wanna, I don't wanna make Christianity seem like it's this really easy thing. Yes, it's a free gift, but it's the most expensive free gift that you will ever have in your life. And, and it's not just enough to say, God, I want you to be the, the forgiver and leader of my life. He, he expects the rest of your life. He expects to be the boss. He doesn't become your savior unless he's in charge of your life. So we need to talk about the cost. If you're merely participating in the traditions of men, you're, you're not going to have God's power in your life because he's not going to pour out his power on religious people. Religion, here, here's the problem. Religion is about me. It's what I do to gain God's approval. Paul says it's a pile. Christianity, though, is about Jesus. And the key word there, the key term is relationship. Religion's about me. It's about rules. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why John 3.16 is is the most powerful verse in the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Jesus entered our world through a virgin. Why a virgin? So that he wouldn't inherit a sin nature from his earthly father, but he would inherit a sinless nature from his heavenly father. Jesus, God in the flesh, he lived a sinful, sinless life. And, and when he was old enough, he started teaching things that amazed people. He said stuff like this. He said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you got to serve other people. He said, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to, if you want to be important, you've, you've got to be least. And it blew people's minds. He said, if you want, if you give, my father in heaven will give back to you. If you, if you, uh, fi- if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. If someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone hurts you, bless them. If someone insults you, pray for them. If someone betrays you, forgive them. Not just one time, but 70 times seven, 490 times. No one had ever taught like this. And the religious people said, say what, what, what did he just say? And they hated him because they wanted to follow the rules. They thought it was easier to follow the rules than to follow this guy. And he kept doing annoying things like breaking the rules. And one of their biggest rules was keep the Sabbath holy. And Jesus would heal people on the Sabbath. Ooh, 
I believe he did it on purpose. There's many times he healed on the Sabbath to bring about a confrontation with religious people. You're a rule breaker. And Jesus would show their hypocrisy. One time he healed a man whose, whose hand was withered on a Sabbath in the synagogue and people were ticked off. And Jesus said, if your donkey falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you'll go and pull it out. But you don't want me to have compassion on someone whose hand is withered. What kind of religion is that? And they hated him for it. See, he did things that that humans shouldn't be able to do because he was God's son. He opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He hugged lepers and healed them. And he even raised people from the dead. If if God's son, if, if he really was God's son, you'd expect him to be sinless and you'd expect him to be able to do things that nobody else could do. Bingo, he did that too. And as the religious police could not stand him and they rejected him, you know who he befriended? Lying thieving idolaters like you and me. Jesus hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors, which actually, if you were to, if you were to have a, a, a list of job descriptions, tax collector, I'm not making this up. Tax collector is below dung collector. It's below prostitute in that society. And Jesus hung out with those people. He loved these bad people and because of his love they were transformed and even though they were uneducated, even though they, they, they had been rejected for the religious schools, Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll use you to change the world and this stuff has changed the world for the better. That's pretty strange. Then one day Jesus was obedient even to death on the cross. He allows Judas, one of his followers, to betray him with a kiss. The creator allows his creation to nail him to the cross. Nails through his wrist, nails through his feet. And they mocked him and they beat him. And he he willingly allowed them to raise him up on the cross to die for our sins. And then as they were abusing him, hurling insults at him, he prayed one of the strangest prayers ever. In Luke 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. How weird is that? So put that picture up there if you would. In the Old Testament it says, by his stripes we are healed. I don't want you to think that, that, this, was, that, that, that this is just a little throwaway phrase. The stripes, that's the best we can do in, in acting this out. This was from the, the Passion of the Christ. He was beaten beyond recognition... His wounds heal us. His stripes heal us from our sins. And and I don't know what kind of sins are here today, but but probably somebody has committed adultery. He became your adultery. Someone has stolen something. He became your stealing. Someone was greedy. He became your greed. Someone is bitter and anger, angry. He became your bitterness and your anger. And did he do it because we were good enough? No. The Bible says that we were objects of God's wrath. And that everything we tried to do in the name of religion was like filthy rags. And in case you don't know what the word for filthy rags was in Hebrew, it was the rags used during a woman's menstrual cycle. That's how righteous our deeds are in the eyes of God. Because if you and I could be righteous, he wouldn't have to go through this. Right? Religion cannot save you. 
the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world, he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he cries out to telestai, which means it is finished. Religion is finished. And there's a new way to please God, and it's called a relationship with Jesus Christ. For three days, his followers didn't understand. They were asking, well, we thought he was the deal. Now he's dead. What's going on? And then some women went on Sunday morning. They said, who's going to roll away the stone? We need to prepare his body for burial. When they get there, the stone is rolled away. Why? Because the grave could not hold him. Death could not keep him down because he really was God's son. And here's the problem. We casually believe this stuff. If it's true, you can't casually believe in it because if it's true, it should change the way we live our lives. You realize what we've done with the story of Jesus? We've normalized it. We've taken an an, an object of torture. Go ahead and put that that picture back up there. We've taken an object of torture, the cross, and we've made it into jewelry. Or if you're younger, it's a tattoo because that's way cooler. And I'm not, I'm not saying tattoos are bad. I'm saying it's the same thing as if we, if we were to take an electric chair and put it on a chain and wear that proudly. Or in Texas, if we took a syringe because, because we use death by lethal injection and we put it on, put that on a tattoo or put that on jewelry. Do you understand what I'm saying here? We've made this normal. Has it ever happened again? One time. And if it's true, it ought to impact your life. People shouldn't have to wonder whether you're a Christian. They should be able to look at your life and say, there is one who reflects Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed his life for filthy sinners. Stop being casual. Because Jesus himself said, the road to destruction is filled with casual people. And if this story is true, at some point you got to say, I don't want to go where everybody else is going. I want to be different. And you say, I want to go through this narrow gate called Jesus Christ. And I want to dedicate my life to him. And when you do that, people are going to look at you and say, what changed? You're different. You're weird. But you're going to be so weird and so different. You're going to be so like Jesus that they're going to want what you have. And then you're going to get to invite them not to a religion which leads to bondage. But to come to Jesus Christ who sets you free. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Religion says if you work really hard, God might... Love you. But in Christianity, it says God loves you so much that out of, out of respect for his love, out of response for his love, you want to work really hard for the kingdom of God. It's totally different attitude. And so we don't, we don't want to throw out a lot of guilt today, but we do want to throw out the possibility that maybe we've not been living the life that God wants us to live. And maybe it's time we stop living like we want to and we start living like God. The one we say is our Lord, the one we say is our boss, the one we say is our forgiver. 
It's really strange that we don't obey him. Father, it's my prayer that you would change new life into the most radically obedient people in this area. Not for our name, but for your name's sake. I don't believe we're finished reaching people for Christ. I don't believe we're finished reaching people who are far from God. I don't believe we're finished reaching people whose marriages are falling apart, people who are addicted, people are hurt. They're everywhere, God, and we're not paying attention, so please forgive us and raise us up to be a church that makes a difference. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.